Thank you, Scott. Just grab your Bibles out. We'll get straight into it. It's been a great weekend, prayer and fasting, and had a great uh, time yesterday at Woodcroft. Um, and something that was said at Woodcroft actually inspired me just to write you know, the thoughts that I have here tonight. The, um, Brother Duncan Sinclair gave this thought about um, you know, the greatest source of motivation, you know, uh, talking about, you know, I guess, his work, you know, uh, after the stick and, uh, what do they call it, the stick and, the, what was the motivated thing, the stick and the carrot. The stick and the carrot is kind of long past. There has to be something within us that motivates us, you know, long after we, you know, we get a pat on the back or we get a little bit of correction to kind of keep us in line. And, um, and so he spoke about these three, re- three things that have to be part of your recipe to have this strong conviction, to, have, um, to find your voice, to find your confidence in the Lord. And he spoke about number one being mastery or discipline, purpose and autonomy. So mastery purpose and autonomy and so uh, I thought I'd like to uh, give a talk about you know finding um finding our voice and building our confidence uh, and our conviction it was the same kind of uh, word conviction or confidence in the Lord and I'm going to start in um in Isaiah chapter 6 very well known In verse 1, in the year King Uzzah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And uh, above it stood the seraphims, um, each of which um, had six wings. With twain, um, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And in verse 4 it says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And it kind of uh, really paints a bit of a picture in your mind as to, you know, uh, not that I've ever seen it, but I, th- I think I've seen it depicted in a movie when a voice has been so powerful that it's almost making the whole screen shake and almost like, feel like it's breathing. Um, and the uh, house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is to me, I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And how fitting it is to be reading something like that after you know, this afternoon's talk about judgment. And this is exactly what it is talking about, that Isaiah is having this moment of uh, being in the presence of God and finding himself undone, you know, uh, underdone, unprepared and ill-equipped for what is about to come uh, to him. And then in verse 6 says, And then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So iniquity is the lawlessness part. How Our lawless part of us has been seared and taken away, and we've been forgiven of our sins. And verse 8 And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. His conviction at that moment said, Here I am, send me. So Isaiah went from a moment where he felt underdone, underprepared, ill-qualified to do the the job, to be a, a man prepared, equipped, qualified, ready for service in a moment of time. 
And that is what we spoke about, I guess, this, this afternoon. We heard that this afternoon about uh, the time of judgment. Will we find our voice in that time of judgment? You know, uh, judgment will be, and they say, the scriptures say it will be a great and terrible day. It's almost like landing into, I don't know, Shanghai International Airport for the first time. And that's what judgment will be. It will be hectic. But uh, we are now, you know, there was a time when we were ill-prepared, unequipped, undone, underdone. But through the Holy Ghost, through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that our lips have been touched and we have found our voice and we have found our conviction and we have confidence that we will glide straight on past and know exactly our flight out of this world. We will not be uh, kind of uh, hustling and bustling with everyone else, seeing it all for the first time. Our whole life is prepared for that day of judgment, ready if we find our voice and we're ready to act. Let's go to John chapter 9. I haven't got too much prepared tonight. I wasn't going to keep everyone here for that long. But John chapter 9. So the big part of tonight and the, and the kind of catch cry I want to get out of it is finding our voice in the Lord. Finding our voice in the Lord. And that's through our conviction and through our confidence. You know, there's, you can't kind of take a magic pill that gives you conviction or confidence. That has to be, it has to be done. You know, faith without works is dead. It needs to, you need to go out and do something to build confidence. Um, you know, uh, if you sign up to become a plumber, it, it's, uh, it's, you don't just go kind of turn up to whatever the registration office and get your ticket and say, now I'm a plumber. You've got to go through an apprenticeship. You've got to learn a theory. You've got to apply it. You know? and, and the same is finding your voice in the Lord. Um, John chapter 9. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master... Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And verse 7, And said unto him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. And that is the doing part of finding your voice. That Jesus said, made in you know, clay. And he said, Now go we wash in the pool. And he went and did that. And that's a big part of finding your voice is being active in the Lord, you know, uh, pushing past, you know, uh, everything else that's pressing in. You know, conviction is, um, and confidence and, you know, and judgment is all about, you know, setting a clear boundary in your walk, kind of saying, well, this is my boundary, and everything that kind of comes into that boundary is, you know, if you're, if you're not welcomed, you're overstepping the boundary. And if you've got a, you know, um, if you set your uh, standards correct, that boundary can't be kilometres away where it's out of sight and out of mind. The boundary has to be relatively close around you. It can't be things happening in your life in the corner of your, you know, the corner of your vineyard, in the corner of your boundary. There could be unrighteousness happening, but you just kind of put, you, know, you kind of mask it and plant some trees around it so you don't see it. You've got, we've got to be accountable, as we heard tonight, that uh, we are prepared for judgment. And the Lord has touched our lips and he's given us conviction and confidence to know what is coming next. And we can't kind of mask that and hide that. That's uh, irresponsible. That's not being accountable. But anyway, in verse 8, it goes on and says, The neighbours therefore, and they which heard had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not, uh, not that this he which sat and begged? In verse 9, some said, uh, This is he. And others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. 
And so as we go through this whole passage of Scripture, I want to, and I will emphasize that uh, Jesus took this beggar who, you know, spent all his life begging for, you know, crumbs and, and small things, and he gave him a voice. He gave him confidence. He gave him conviction by his experience. And so as we read through this passage, we're going to you know, really emphasize how this beggar found a voice. And this voice really set a clear path for everybody around him. And it really, uh, he really made a clear line in his life as to who, has, who puts their confidence in God and who is actually just following religion and, and, and the world. And verse 10, it says, And therefore said they unto him, um, How were thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Now, that is a testimony. Sometimes we kind of get ourselves, well, that's not how we give testimonies. This is how we give a testimony. And and sometimes we kind of pigeonhole ourselves for that. And I think even, um, was it uh, Grant saying today that uh, we should always be ready to give our testimony. And sometimes the testimony doesn't fit perfectly in the mould to how we normally hear a testimony. Maybe it does sound like this, that I... And a, a man that is called Jesus made clay and, and he anointed my eyes and he said to me, go to the pool. And I went and I washed my eyes and I received my sight. As simple as that. What a voice. But it's a genuine voice. And, and verse 12, and then said they uh, unto him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And they brought to the Pharisees, and they brought um, to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind and it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay. Oh no. And opened his eyes. And again, the Pharisees also asked him how uh, he had received his sight. And he said unto them, He put clay in my eyes, and I washed, and I do see. It's as simple as that. I prayed to the Lord, and he delivered me. I don't know how he delivers me. I don't know if it was the prayer, or was my faith, or was my thought, was it the things that I voiced, but now I am healed. And that's the voice the Lord wants. And, And verse 16, therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. They've completely missed it. There is a voice, but they can't hear that voice. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And they say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he had opened thine eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. He's someone special. We, we, We read that also in John 4. But the Jews did not believe him uh, concerning him that he had been blind and that he had received his sight until they called the parents of him that received his sight. We've got the doubters. The doubters are never far away. We've got the religious people. Um, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son? When they brought the parents, whom you say was born blind, how then doth he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we don't know. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. And then verse 22, these words spake the parents because they feared the Jews. Genuine true confidence, there is no fear. In conviction, there is no fear. When there is that kind of uh, strength within you to know that uh, I know my calling and I know I've been called to, and I know that I've got to find my voice and my voice will lead people out of this world and my voice will lead them and be, prepare them for judgment and prepare them for things to come. Um, 
It goes on for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that Jesus, um, that, uh, that he was a Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, he, he said his parents, he is of age, ask him. So it's an interesting thing that uh, age has no bearing on conviction or confidence. That this is a young boy, all he knows is that he was born blind, and now he sees, and now he's found his voice. But when you go to the parents who should be the next in line to be you know, happy for him, they were there at his birth when he was born blind. And I'm sure they would have had that same thought in their head as to who did something wrong that my son is born blind, that he will now be dependent upon everyone else. But when it came to the parents who were faced with the same miracle, touched their lips, they had no voice. They couldn't say anything. They were so worried about being excommunicated from the synagogue. And I, you know, a thought uh, came over me this week as we were visiting someone that was at a communion meeting last week. Uh, we were visiting on a Monday night. He made this comparison, which I, inwardly, I, I jumped for joy, but I didn't show anything on my face. But he said, oh, I've been going to this other Baptist church as well. Nothing against really the Baptist, but he was going to this Baptist church. But they're too cheesy for me. <laughs> and I kind of thought, yes, that's exactly the way to put it. But they're too cheesy for me. They have this kind of superficial smile and uh, they've got all the fluffy words, but there's no conviction in them. There's no confidence in them. They're unprepared. They're undone. But when I come to your Sunday meeting, oh, there's a bit of fire you know, in there. There's something there that I can't quite hold, grab hold of yet, but I'm coming back to, to kind of get it. And praise the Lord, you know, uh, you know, we don't want to be part of a cheesy place. I'd hate to be called cheesy. You know, well, I kind of thought that's the greatest insult you kind of uh, put on them. And I said, but you're right. You know, but praise the Lord that uh, we need to be careful that we don't become cheesy, that we don't become religious that we don't kind of drop our expectation, that there is a confidence, there's a steely part of us, that when we pray for you, there's, it's genuine. I want you to be healed. When I warn you of judgment, it's genuine. You don't know what you're heading to. But through the revelation of, you know, of receiving the Holy Spirit, we understand what's, what's coming their way. That in everything that we do, that we are genuine in what we're doing it. And the reason we're doing it, that we're not cheesy. And I kind of thought uh, I'd, like, I'd like to share that with you. So here are the parents being cheesy about their faith. Too scared about being excommunicated. And here is a son speaking up. And he's really making waves, you know, through the community. In verse 25, and he answered and said, uh, Whether he be a sinner um, or not, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. That can go a long way. Nobody can argue a testimony. All I know is blind, but now I see. Verse 26, then said they unto him, what did he do to thee? What was the method? You know, really religious. How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, um, I told you already, he did not hear, wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? And now he's getting a little bit cheeky. That's how much confidence he's building. Now, not that we're going to say we want to be cheeky, um, you know, uh, in it all, but uh, it's just a show of confidence that, uh, I don't know, he's only probably a few hours old here, but all of a sudden he's now speaking freely. He's definitely not begging anymore, that's for sure. He's past the begging. Then they reviled him. 
you know, it's amazing. You know, once you kind of, uh, you've got your boundaries nice and far, you don't stand for much and uh, you tolerate a lot of things happening within your yard, you know, uh, people will tolerate you. But when you kind of bring your yard nice and close and you've kind of, uh, you know, you tell people to kind of shoo if they're unwelcomed in, in your yard, then you start to feel a bit of you know, people reviling you. You feel a bit, out, a bit of an outcast. But unless you have a strong voice and a voice of confidence, you'll never actually feel that kind of uh, um, uh, resistance from the world. And they revolted him and said that uh, his disciple. He says, we are Moses' disciple. And we both know they're both the same thing, aren't they? We know that God spoke unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And the man answered and said unto them, why uh, therein is a marvellous thing, that you know not where he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshipper of God, and doeth his will, him he hear. And since the world began, was it not heard that if a man um, opened the eyes of one that was born blind, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And it's a very similar kind of script to John 3. No man can do the miracles unless God be with him. Even Nicodemus, a religious man, you know, maybe he was cheesy. But when he kind of came to the genuine article, I think his heart was softened a little bit and, and humbled by it. And this is a, you know, the point I really make that he found his voice through his experience. And uh, we've always got to find our confidence and our conviction internally. We can't kind of rely upon somebody else to turn up and pump us full of confidence. That's not going to happen. We've got to find that within ourselves. And, uh, and we're all ready. We're all prepared. We've just got to really stoke up that fire. Um, Luke 12, verse 48, maybe not um, turn to it, but the uh, scripture reads this. It says, but... Uh, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with a few stripes, but unto whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. And so uh, it's, a, it's a story of accountability. It's a story of um, thankfulness, appreciation for our calling, for the fact that uh, there was a time when, you know, I guess um, everything shook at the presence of the Lord, and we knew that we were undone, that uh, what was going to happen next was going to be terrible for us. But the Lord, through his grace and through his mercy, he saved us from all of that. And so our, our whole life, through this conviction and this confidence, is driven by our appreciation, by our thankfulness, that we were once born blind. And we were beggars. And... Uh, but we got, by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, we received our sight. We understood all these things and even understood judgment. And the first thing that we saw was Jesus Christ. And that has been our source of conviction and our confidence since that time. And since that time, that's how we found our voice. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. Oh, we're nearly there already. We'll kind of get through this part really quickly. I just want to read one scripture here. This is very well known, David and Goliath. And this is just as, Je as, just as, Jesus, just as uh, David was coming to the battle. The battle had already almost begun and they were almost uh, eyeing each other off and you know, but all the small talk was kind of happening and they're kind of uh, getting themselves ready for a, a good old battle. 
And David spake, in the verse 26, David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the, this Philistine and taketh away the reproach of Israel? For uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This word defy is to defame, to blaspheme, to rail, uh, no, and it says here to reproach God's name. And the point I want to get out of this scripture is that David clearly defines, he says, who is he? He is a nobody. He's a somebody undone. And, and, uh, and he's kind of using this saying, you know, do you know who this guy is? Number one. Number two, do you know who we are? Is there a clear line in your thinking as to who we are, the children of God? And who is he? He is a nobody. No matter, and it's an interesting, interesting point that Goliath was the biggest of them all. And he came out and he was the one kind of representing the, the army. And he was a champion of the Philistines. And, and sometimes we can blur the line. And, and when we blur the line, and we haven't, haven't got those two lines clearly defined as to who are we and who are they. And we've got this line, you know, blurred. We lose our confidence and we lose our conviction because we haven't got it clearly defined as to, uh, I've received the Holy Spirit and I have favour with God. And all my days ahead of me are all prepared. But who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He is a nobody. And so sometimes when we kind of, uh, we, we lose our um, identity and it all starts to meld into one, and I guess the boundaries go further out, then all of a sudden your confidence goes with it. Because we haven't got clearly defined what do I stand for and what do they stand for. Last scripture. Matthew 15. So we've spoken about uh, two younger men that have uh, found their voice and found their confidence in the Lord and um, really made a, a huge impact in, you know, I guess their, their circle, their community, um, and wherever they lived. And now we're going to talk about a an, an older lady, no, not an older lady, but you know, more mature lady. Probably, probably younger than me, actually, <laughs> at this age. But yeah, but Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. She's given us a headache. And verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And um, in verse 26, And he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, um, you're right, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now, what I love about this and her finding her voice, and we know how it kind of ends, um, is I've kind of grown, grown up with a few Syrophoenician women in my time, um, in, my, in my youth growing up. And uh, one thing I know about Syrophoenician women is three things, really, is they always get their way, number one. They always get their way. Um, they know what they want and they've always got something to say and they're all good things I love my mother, she's okay they're all, they're all good things and, um, and I've learnt those three traits from my mother as well 
that um, I've always got something to say that I'm never underprepared. Um, I know what I want, and um, and I guess there's that level of humility as well that uh, you know if uh, if I want it, I'll ask the Lord and I'll say to the Lord, help me. Lord, I want to find my conviction. I want to find this confidence again. And, uh, and we'll work it out between us. I will call out to you. I'll build my experience. In verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. The Lord loved it. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In First Timothy, we won't turn to it, but, it's, you know, but uh, an older Paul says to a younger Timothy, don't despise your youth. And it would be true to kind of say, well, don't despise, you know, being old. Don't despise being middle-aged. Don't despise being, uh, you know, uh, a mother or a father. Don't make any excuse for the fact that now you are prepared for God's, you know, for the return of Jesus Christ, that you build your conviction and you build your confidence through your faith. And so just as finishing off, I want to, five things to finish off um, for the talk. Number one is... Even though we're born blind and born into corruption, and even though we were undone and underprepared and without hope, the Lord has now touched our lips and now we are prepared. So that's the first point. That when we hear the Lord's voice, that we would respond. Because in the response builds a conviction. No response, no conviction. The Lord is teaching us something. You know, and the Lord said, it's, it's to the glory of God that this boy was born blind and now he'll see. And it's to the glory of God that we are here today. He needs a mouthpiece. We are his trophy. We are the city set on the hill. We must find our voice. Number three, through our obedience to the Lord's voice, we were cast out and excommunicated. And that is a fact of life. If they welcome you into their parties and they welcome you into their social circles, you need to find your voice. Because the recipe doesn't work that way normally. If, uh, if you don't stand, you know, have a clear line as to, this, um, these are my boundaries, these are my family's boundaries, we don't tolerate that within the boundary, um, then you'll find, find yourself that maybe we are a little bit cast out. And not that people are standing at the front fence, like yelling into your house and things, but uh, you'll probably just find that, do you know what, you know, maybe in the background, maybe they do make fun of us. But uh, in our mind, we, we realise that the one day we're going to be at Shanghai Airport and we'll know exactly what lane to go down because that's what we're prepared for. And, um, and, and I guess in the same way, you know, to have that kind of humility, understand that, gee, it will be terrible to see them scurrying in the background, you know, clambering over each other because of what's about to, about to hit them in, in the time of judgment. Number four. Um, number four is that we find our true voice. We, try, we find our conviction and our confidence that we were once beggars, but now we are no longer beggars. We are abundant. Um, we are no longer, you know, we are the head and not the tail. And so we, we kind of resonate with this story in, in John, eight, uh, John 9. And number five, that now he's able to lead us, direct us, teach us. He has given us, you know, that moment that Isaiah had, here I am moment, send me. He's given that to us. And that will keep us until the day of the Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.